Welcome to Consumed, the podcast that features casual conversations with the people behind what we eat and drink. I'm Jamie Lewis, and I just discovered that Consumed hit the top 40 of food and wine podcasts in the U.S. this past year. Top 40. Mind blown. I think you're going to like this ninth season of the Consumed podcast. I interviewed a couple chefs, a brewer, knife designers, a cheese purveyor, produce manager, fitness instructor, farmer advocate, religion professor, singer-songwriter, wine historian, and a pizza don. From Paso Robles to Ventura, they told me the story behind the story of what they do and why. Before we get into it, let me give a quick shout out to a couple of key sponsors who make this podcast tick. One is Santa Maria wine grower James Onaveros with Ranchos de Onaveros Wines. In April, James's label, Native Nine, was named among Wine and Spirits magazine's best Pinot Noir of the year in the country. I mean, I'm not surprised, but still, that's a really big deal. To taste those Pinots, head to the station in Los Alamos, where you'll find the most recent wines from Rancho de Anaveros, as well as tasty grub from Cisco Kid Catering, like classic Santa Maria-style tri-tip, barbecue plates, burgers, pork belly tacos, plus beer, kombucha, even avocado toast. Hang out in Los Alamos, enjoy James's wines, and soak up the best of a Central Coast summer. Many thanks to Rancho de Anaveros and James for his support of this podcast and his commitment to the growth of the local wine industry. For more information about Rancho de Anaveros wines, visit ranchostayanaveros.com. I'm also grateful for support from Slow Life Magazine, which focuses exclusively on the perks of living in San Luis Obispo, California. Keep an eye out for my next food column in the magazine. I did something a little different this time, and I asked a few kids about their favorite dishes and restaurants in town. I was rather shocked by their answers, and I can't wait for you to read all about it. Look for the June issue on newsstands at Boo Boo Records and Barnes and Noble, or subscribe at slowlifemagazine.com. Chelsea Dressler Crowley and Kirsten Dressler Wilson are sisters who, along with their mother Deborah Dressler, own and operate Messermeister Knives in Ojai, California. The company was founded in 1981 by their late father, who steadily built the business until his untimely death in 2002. Kirsten and Chelsea stepped up to help with their mother, and today they've grown the Messermeister brand into one of the most respected in the kitchenwares industry. Chelsea and Kristen describe the Messermeister forging process, how they're one of the few remaining companies in the world to produce a hot-drop hammer-forged knife the traditional way. They also talk a bit about what it's like to be a woman-owned company working in the knife business. Here are sisters Kirsten Dressler-Wilson and Chelsea Dressler-Crowley. Chelsea Dressler. Correct. And Kirsten... Dressler Wilson. Yeah, so we're all hyphenated. Okay. What's yours? uh, Crowley. Chelsea Dressler Crowley Mm -hmm. and Kirsten Dressler Wilson. Okay. Yeah. Your names are... are Did you have... Do you have a German parent or like a Swiss parent? Yeah. Our dad. Your dad. Our dad was born in Germany. Okay. And he started the company, right? Yeah, with my mom 40 years ago. Okay. So did he... Oh, it might be 41. No, 40. Oh. (laughs) <laughs> news news to you news to me um, COVID doesn't count <laughs> so did he how did he decide to start a knife company so he was born in Germany and then his during World War II actually 
And then his family went to Australia when he was a teenager, but uh, he made his way over to America, and he was actually a waiter and the, in downtown L.A. In downtown yeah. L.A., and the top guy that was running Zwilling or Hankel's at the time, he was my dad was waiting on his table, and he's like, you're German, you know German, you should be a sales rep for us. So he actually worked for Zwilling being a sales rep. Um, down the road, they cut all the salespeople's uh, salary and commission back to a low salary. So he said, I can figure out how to, how to do this myself because I'm German and I can speak with the factories and mm-hmm. found his way back over to Germany and found a factory to partner with. And that's how it all started, basically. Wow. And my mom was a hairdresser at the time. She had no experience in knife sales and took upon the business aspect uh, or the office aspect, processing mm-hmm. orders. It was just them. It was just the two of them. And uh, she went from a hairdresser to running Messermeister, yeah, <laughs> wow. a knife company. So I, for some reason, I thought it was like it had been in your family for forever. But no, it was something that he picked up from a person he was waiting tables. Mm-hmm. Well, they all say that in Germany, someone has some relative that was once a knife maker. Mm-hmm. Because in Solingen, Germany, there are it's a small knife town, and it kind of radiates throughout the small villages. So I think my father at one point was saying that oh, a distant... A- yeah, Uncle or was also a knife maker, so mm, okay. But Messermeister has been our family brand. Yeah, just us. Yeah. What's the name of the town again? Solingen. Okay. Where is that in Germany? It is, or northwest of Frankfurt. Okay. Uh, what's that small town? Cologne. Cologne. Yeah. Uh, it has amazing old church that avoided. Um, being completely bombed and it's this beautiful church that will ever forever be restored they're constantly working on it but so just outside of cologne okay and the thing with him becoming the knife guy um what was it like do you have any stories about like the first time he ever tried to um sell one i would that would be so interesting to me to see, like, what does this guy do on that first sale? Yeah, we, I don't think we know any of those stories yeah. because we were, I was born that year that they started it. Mm. Um, but basically, they just started it out of the garage. My dad had a van that he could like travel around in. So he traveled around with the two dogs and, up and down the California coast. Yeah. So, like, California was his first target because shipping's closer, it's mm-hmm. faster. And he, that was once his territory, so it was comfortable and not too far from home. Mm. And so, yeah, two dogs in a van, selling knives out of van. (laughs) My mom raising two, you know, two little little girls, trying to, you know, hold the operations of the business down. So, yeah, yeah, they were, they both worked really hard. And you grew up in Ohio. So we grew up in Los Angeles. We were just outside. uh, No. In Mar Vista, Mm -hmm. and the company started there. And then in 86, uh, my dad and mom wanted us to get out of the city, be raised in a small town. My father had this dream of organic farming. So Mm -hmm. 
He thought he would buy 10 acres of orange trees out in the East End and start farming. Hmm. And Did he do that? Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he would work, he would work 15, all day, and then after work ended, he would go home and work on the ranch the yeah. whole time. So, But he loved it. It was like a passion of his. Yeah. But it was um, 10 acres of organic um, oranges, and we had... 20 ducks and 20 chickens and 20 mm. geese or at least that much if yeah. not more than that and he just loved it yeah there was that time that period of time so many people were getting out of LA yeah mm-hmm. my my parents so many people's parents that are our age were trying to get out and so there's this mass exodus of people who want to live you know they want acreage and they want quiet and a good school and so yeah I think that just happened again. <laughs> yeah. Did it? <laughs> During COVID, for yeah. sure. Oh, yeah. What do you mean? Oh, Every, everybody left L.A. to come to Ohio. Yep. Really? To yep. move? Just mm-hmm. to move. I mean, we moved, yeah. personally. Oh, that's tra- yeah, I mean, that's tra- we were in the Bay. My family and I were in the Bay Area. I was doing sales and working remotely, and the Bay Area was a good hub for large accounts mm-hmm. flying in and out of, and when COVID hit, it just became too difficult. Everything was more difficult. So we came back here and really thought that maybe we needed to change our business strategy because we saw so many retail stores closed and what was going to happen to our business when our sales, what dropped 60%. Holy cow. Yeah. That month of March. That month of March. Yeah. It was pretty, when everybody goes, yeah, tightens up Mm -hmm. and we were like, what are we going to do? And I think Mm -hmm. that's, also, I mean, I think people then started to realize, let's get out of the city. Mm-hmm. L.A. was the same way. Mm-hmm. And Ojai has been such a vibrant little community mm-hmm. that it was a great getaway. I mean, I would call my mom and she'd be like, oh, what do you mean you have to stand in line to go to the store? Mm-hmm. I just go yeah. every day and I just walk in mm-hmm. and there's toilet paper. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm coming down. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, that really did affect you deeply. Then. Oh yeah. Yeah. So are most of your accounts, um, restaurants and commercial and all that? Uh, most it's just retail kitchenware stores. Okay. Mm-hmm. Kitchen stores. There's restaurant supply, not heavy in the restaurant yeah. supply. Mm-hmm. Um, we have everything from little knife stores, um, Direct-to-consumer. Direct-to-consumer. Off our own website. Off of our website. And then we have big internet dealers. We have Mm Williams-Sonoma, Surlatov. It's kind of a little bit of everything. It sounds successful, though. It sounds really good. What makes them special and different? Give me the geeky stuff. The knife. (laughs) Yeah, give me the knife. I love it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, we're one of the last uh, companies to hot drop Hammer Forge their knives. So we do it the old-fashioned way. Where they get a block of steel, they heat it up, and they have these, you know, two ton machines that come down and actually forge the knives. And it's it's touched by a person, uh, I think, fifty two times. So there's step by step, and there's people controlling the process the whole way. Um, a lot of that has changed now, mm-hmm. where um, upset electric forging is. Um, or no, hot drop forging has changed to upset electric forging, mm-hmm. where they use uh, a flat sheet of metal and temper a certain area and push it together mm-hmm. to create a bolster. So, And it's all done by machines and robots. So we've actually 
still keep the human aspect yeah. to knife making, whereas um, most companies don't do that any yeah. longer. Yeah. So we don't mass produce our knives. Um, They're all still hand-finished. Still hand-finished. We have a box of defectives that <laughs> <laughs> maybe the knife maker was a little... <laughs> The but, grinder was yeah. drinking. I don't know. Maybe. But it's because a human <laughs> a did human it. did yeah. it, yeah. and and there are human errors, so mm-hmm. it happens. Yeah, um, and and I think now we're also doing so many interesting things, mm-hmm. like using environmentally friendly products, um, materials. Materials. We're using. Um, we're just. We're adding kind of a different flair to what is kind of a boring, mm. boring thing. A I knife don't is find just it boring at all. Oh, that's you're good. Crazy. <laughs> that's good. No, and Most, anybody who listens to this, they're going to care about. Yeah, yeah. this yeah. Is, we're the first company to come out with the first size folding chef's knife. So a year and a half ago, <clears throat> we brought out the Adventure Chef line. And it's the first real folding chef's knife on the market. And it was, um, a chef brought the idea to us. He was a yacht chef. Mm -hmm. Um, You might know him on Bravo TV Below Deck. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, Yeah. and he brought the idea to us and we said, that's great. We live in California. We like camping. We like being outside. Mm -hmm. Uh, The portableness of the kit is kind of the whole reason behind it and to go camping you don't have a lot of space so we brought that product out and it's made with uh, carbonized maple so the maple is very sustainable also burlap handles and Mm. the burlaps are repurposed burlap sacks and then we just came out with a knife line called custom and the base model handle has a linen Um, Mm -hmm. material to it so it's not a hard plastic handle Mm -hmm. and then uh, all the handles that you could buy to replace the handle on it it are made out of repurposed wood shavings that's so cool who does all the design on that i mean who comes we do all the design you do Mm -hmm. yeah wow is that go ahead yeah so we we go to we source out product we have some great factories that we go see every year and we just keep our eyes out. Mm-hmm. We kind of take our passions and then try to figure out <laughs> where to find a factory um, to make it happen. Yeah. yeah, now we now we we have factories all over the world that we work with. Mm-hmm. We don't work just with our German factory because they're limited. Like our German kitchen knife factory cannot make folding knives. So we design a project and then we figure out who's the best factory to make this. So we have knives made in Germany, in Portugal, in Italy, in Japan, uh, in China China. as well. But it's the stuff that we get done in China is made in one of the best folding knife factories Mm -hmm. in the world. So it's kind of just designing a product and figuring out who can make it the best. Yeah. Do you get to travel a lot? I'm just, uh, you know. Pre-COVID, were you able to? Or did you have to? Yeah. yeah. No, we do. Germany, we... Australia a lot, um, mm-hmm. China, and then around the United States just a little bit, but not much. Mm-hmm. More trade shows. Mm-hmm. And trade shows more for selling purposes, retail purposes, mm-hmm. not so much direct-to-consumer. And, yeah, and the trade shows, when we go to Germany, that's where we have the opportunity to meet so many of our factories because yeah. they all kind of 
come together in Frankfurt. So that's our biggest opportunity to see what's out there, see the trends mm-hmm. um, in housewares. Um, it's everything. It's it's a huge trade show. Yeah. So we were just, I was just there. We kind of alternate mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, because it's a, it's a big trip. And, um, and we both just, have kids. We both have kids. Yeah. Uh, so it's, I had to take the last couple of years off just mm-hmm. from having two little ones. And then Kirsten kind of stepped up and then, yeah. And then right before COVID I went. So yeah, it's nice. It's a great opportunity. We have our industry, housewares, cooking, kitchen. I mean, everybody's so nice and so friendly. Mm-hmm. Like, even if there are competitors, we feel like we're welcome in their booth and mm-hmm. they're not there to shun us. They're really yeah. supportive of our ideas. And I think that's kind of, we're really blessed to be in an industry that is supportive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it still makes it difficult for two women to run a German knife company. Do you think? <laughs> I mean, yeah. We still we struggle we're still struggling. Um tell me stories. Not not to like I, I yeah, always yeah. I'm always careful like it's not so that we can just our jaws can drop and we no, can be like no. oh my god. No, but it's I think it's important to to come to terms with like there are real barriers to entry here. Um or would you agree with that? Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, yeah. For a long time, we my our dad passed away in college, which was 17 years ago, mm-hmm. or maybe even 18. Um, but at that time, there's no way that we could technically run the business because no one would kind of no. support us, I guess. So we had, a, we had a salesman that was kind of running the business and putting towards his vision. And I think when we, you know, a few years back, we're kind of like, this is the direction we want to go. Are you with us? And if you're not with us, then we need to, you know, part our separate ways. And that's when we really started taking control of the company. And mm-hmm. since that time, we've been doing a lot of fun stuff like the folding chef's knife, the custom line where you can change out handles and hardware and mm-hmm. rivets. We're coming out with an Overland knife. That's a fixed blade outdoor knife. So we're just creating products that... Um, we think are like are cool yeah yeah what we're passionate about mm -hmm. yeah definitely i think it was hard because when my dad passed away my mom was left running this company on her own Mm -hmm. we were in uh san luis obispo uh, finishing college and kirsten came immediately back down to help out um i had gone back over to australia to help my uncle run messermeister over there and and Mm -hmm slightly pissed off sorry mm-hmm. um because i wasn't interested i i needed more space and because it was never your plan to do well it was like my plan- mom and dad always said look go to school go and get a job find out what your passion is and figure out how like explore the world my dad was australia had australian roots and mm-hmm. so it was like go on your walkabout and mm-hmm. and when he passed away it kind of like forced us to be like, okay, what are our passions? Mm-hmm. Um, and also we realized we wanted, my mom and dad had worked so hard to build this business mm-hmm. and we just felt like, why would we give that up? Like, mm-hmm. can we keep this going? Can we keep this passion alive? Like he was so innovative and he had mm-hmm. s- such big shoes to fill that we thought, okay, let's try. Mm-hmm. 
uh, were not ready quite yet. So we had to learn every aspect of the business. Yeah. Growing up, we knew how to do some of the financials and a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But this was kind of like now stepping into a role that required us to be knowledgeable in uh, design and mm. factory things that we had never been exposed to and, and sales. shipping. Oh yeah. Sales on in itself. But I think the manufacturing side is hard. is yeah. harder to understand. And, mm. and I think my mom was thank had said she was thankful that we were here because she said if we weren't going to step in if we didn't want to do this mm. she would sell the we would be done yeah. it wasn't worth it to her to continue to do it on her own yeah was your dad how old was he when he died 63 okay so young root canal what yeah he had a funky root canal he got infected yeah and it he took, he got it taken out and didn't take antibiotics and then it went into his heart. Wow. Into his bloodstream and destroyed his heart. Like I think it was in a month, a month and a half or oh something like that. Word. Yeah. So and this then, very tragic, like kind of bizarre mm-hmm. situation yeah. and on top of that you have a business. Well, and then everybody was trying to take advantage of my mother mm-hmm. and trying to pressure her to sell the business mm-hmm. and saying, Hey, you can't run this business on your own. You mm-hmm. need us or you, we're more successful than you. So just step down. And, and it was like really traumatizing because mm-hmm. I think, yes, the industry, I feel like I'm contradicting myself. The <laughs> industry is very supportive, but there are some really ruthless people out like there. If, well, like yeah. anywhere. Yeah. So like sure. anywhere, but they just they come out when they see what they thought was a weak link. Yeah. And they thought, okay, now he's gone. Because my dad was tall and he was German, Australian. He played rugby. He swore. Yeah, like a big every, personality. Yeah, big dude. personality. Yeah. Tough dude. I mean, there are stories where my dad was getting in fights with people at trade shows in the alley <laughs> because they didn't pay their bill. Oh and he, I mean... People didn't want to mess with my dad. So now that he was gone, it kind of opened the doors. And my mom's like, no, I'm going to keep doing this. I have my girls with me, and we'll keep trucking. That's amazing. That was 17 years ago, really? Yeah. Far out. So (laughs) your mom then, it sounds like, um, you know, was doing hair. Yeah. But then she's a tough cookie it sounds Mm -hmm. like she ran the business while my dad did sales so it's not like when my dad passed away she had to learn something new she was doing what she did um so we had to fill the the role of a salesperson Mm -hmm. um or yeah dad's position my my mom's really smart she's very financially smart she doesn't like to spend money which is always a good thing for a business owner to do (laughs) in in a sense here and there sometimes you need to spend money but she was always like, this is what we need to do in order to um, survive all this. So, yeah. Because over 40 years, there have been some real highs and some real lows. Mm-hmm. Um, economically, like there have been... 2008, s- that was super scary. I was here in the business when that happened, too. Yeah. It wasn't there also in 2001 or yeah, two? September 11th when everything oh, yeah. tanked. Yeah. yeah, everything tanked then. I mean, COVID, that... Um, mm-hmm. That yeah, has last, put a lot of pressure on. Yeah. yeah, 
So, I mean, we're very thankful that we are still here today and, and trucking along and have, have made some good decisions because when, when things looked really bad, even last year, it was like, okay, do we keep developing products? We had all these great ideas in, um, in the pipeline and we stopped and we're like, what do we do? Do, how do we pivot at this point? Because Mm -hmm. we can either stop and just wait out the storm or we make, you know, like good decisions. Yeah. And like, jump ahead. Jump like double ahead. Down, yeah. and, and so now we're finding that because we did take some leaps where there was a little bit scary, not knowing what the outcome was going to be has put us in a position now where we have product. We're well stocked. We are able to sell um, knives when so many other uh, knives companies or even mm-hmm. housewares they're, suppliers they're having a hard time delivering they're, yes, right. they're, they can't produce i mean uh, material that, is in is hard to come by mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. we had made all those purchases and made all those decisions and it has put us in a good position currently that is awesome so that's yeah that's, you really that is a hard decision it's a hard decision because this is unprecedented in our lifetime oh totally Mm -hmm. so there's no rule book for like when are we coming back when is anything coming back in two weeks remember in the beginning yes right we're just gonna be a shelter in place for two weeks oh my gosh so are your kids old are they in school yet they too uh, young. Mine is in first grade. Okay, Mine so that was really small. hard. Oh, that's a crazy time. To... Yeah, that was really hard too because we had to shut down the business, but we kept operating it because our three PL in LA could still ship out. So mm-hmm. uh, we had a we first had to lay everyone off because we were down forty percent that month, and but my mom Sam and I. Samantha, who's been with us for over 30 years, we're like, we need to continue to ship stuff out or we're going to be in a huge hole that we might not be able to climb out of. So we were just pushing orders down to our 3PL and processing them all while my son was here, who was seven, because he couldn't go to school. And the school wanted me to teach him for six hours a day. And I was like... I had to decide, do I try to keep the business alive or do I teach my kid? And so... I was like, my son's fine with, you know, an hour of work every day. So yes. I made him do a half an hour of reading, a half an hour of math. right? At the uh, time? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah, all right. Oh, jeez. I was like, God, it was that long ago. You had a lot on your yeah, yeah. So it was just total chaos for a couple months, and it was exhausting. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we brought everyone back. Um he went to summer camp, which was nice. Chels watched him for a little bit because there was no sales going on, and that's what she does. Yeah, so my she, job kind of got put on weird hold. Yeah, and and at that point, it made more sense for me to watch art. So I have a at the time was a one and a, oh, one and a half year old yeah, and crazy. a three and a half year old, yeah. and so. I had no, my preschool, our preschool was shut. Our daycare was shut. Our nanny um, was um, high risk and was worried being in the Bay Area. And so she wasn't able to work. And it made more sense. Like someone has to watch the kids. So I would watch Mm -hmm. the kids in the morning. Mom would watch, our our mom Mm -hmm. would watch them in the afternoon for a bit. And we just all kind of... 
play to our strengths. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what do we do to to get through this? And that's what we had to do. Yeah. Um, I was just lucky. My Jack went back to school full time in October. Mm -hmm. Um, he's like, I'm very, you know, lucky to have him in the private school here. And they went back from eight o'clock to two forty five every day. Mm -hmm. So I was really lucky to put him back in there. Yeah. Because that saved. Saved me. <laughs> it's real. And him, probably, real, yeah. you know. Yeah. Especially with a, it's, so it's an all-women-owned business. Yeah. I mean, there's, there are real, there are real, um, not consequences, but like there are real things that people have to deal with, that mm-hmm. women have to deal with when they, mm-hmm. when they run a business. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. and yeah. try to have kids and run a business at the same time. And, and my, and all my, the women that left the workforce during yeah. COVID, yeah. I yeah. mean, you understand why. It's, mm-hmm. it's. Like, we were in that situation. Like, how are we, who's going to watch our kids? Yeah. And then when we moved down here, we were living with my mom. And so she's high risk because Mm -hmm. um, she uh, is older and had kidney cancer and so Mm -hmm. has just issues that we had to be really concerned about. And living all under one roof was... Yeah, it was oh. it was stressful. Totally. Oh my goodness. Let's take a quick detour here to talk about another consumed sponsor. Slow Food Co-op's mission is to empower health and well-being in the community by providing quality groceries, local produce, and exceptional customer service. Slow Food Co-op sources from local producers, ensuring they offer their shoppers great food and household staples. Slow Food Co-op is your friendly neighborhood grocer, maintaining non-GMO standards and a variety of organic selections. You can find Slow's only community-owned grocery store on their website at slowfood.coop and visit the Slow Food Co-op in-store at 2494 Victoria Avenue in San Luis Obispo, California. So I was saying before we started recording that, um, you know, I did a, a bit of looking into Messermeister knives and they are, it's a really well-respected brand. Um, who are some of the folks that use it? Who are some of your biggest cheerleaders? I would say, well, when my, when my husband, <laughs> so when we, when we were younger, my dad really focused on culinary schools. Yeah. And so there's actually quite a few people our age now that went to culinary school and used our knives. So they know us, but I, I would say a majority of people that are buying our knives are home cooks mm-hmm. for sure. Of course there's restaurant people, but, um, chefs and cooks and stuff like that. But the majority I think are home cooks for yeah. sure. Yeah. But we have some great like brand ambassadors, mm-hmm. uh, that really support us and love our product. Mm-hmm. And I think it's what we try to find in a brand ambassador is a really organic relationship that represents our our morals and our ideas and our fun personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, because we don't want it to be like a forced relationship. We want it to be really natural. And, and so they've been, our brand investors are great. They're mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they, like family to us. Yeah, they all used our knives before, and it was like a relationship where they would post on Instagram and tag us, and then it just, you know, we just brought them into the family, basically. We yeah. never had to, like, reach out to anyone and force a relationship. Yeah. But, um, yeah, a lot of, but some of them have stories like, oh, that's 
so cool. I used your guys' knives in culinary mm-hmm. school, and I still have that knife. Melissa Humphrey over at um, XO Marshmallows, or mm-hmm. her Instagram handles, Baby Jane mm-hmm. says, and she used our, she still has our knife that she used in culinary school, and she's 40, you yeah, know? Yeah. So. For sure. Yeah, just and there are people out there that have tattoos of yes. Messermeister yeah. knives. Oh, that's that amazing. Sent yeah. us pictures. Yeah. And we're like, oh, I don't even think I'm going to do that. <laughs> that's commitment. So I would that say is. that's commitment, and that would probably be our biggest cheerleader. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. Tattooed on their body. Oh my gosh. Well, growing up, was your dad in the kitchen a lot? Do you? No, no. But no. he he was the one that always would work with chefs to come up with the designs of the knives we were the first company to have a bolsterless hill on a forged knife if you know anything about knives um they always had this big chunk of if it's a forged knife there was a big chunk of metal at the end by the heel of the knife yeah and And you couldn't sharpen all the way through your knife like on a honing steel or with a sharpener on a stone and you couldn't cut all the way through so he eliminated the bolster well at one point the bolster was important because they used it to um to puncture cans it was it it was it was a meaningful piece to the knife at a time that can can openers weren't readily available and it and it was functional but as like time progressed and chefs were using their knives that they weren't going to be whacking it they wanted to preserve their knife and not put that type of additional stress on it Mm -hmm. and so by eliminating the bolster you were able to sharpen it completely Mm -hmm. and you saved you know the can opener for mm-hmm. its That's job so, so we were we were also the first company to put a 15 degree edge on our knife first german company i should say mm-hmm. usually german knives had a 20 degree edge and so we took it down to a 15 16 which is more like a the japanese japanese mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we had a three-stepped hand finished edge um and then we're still the only the last company i think to like hand polish the blade everything has like a very rough finish to it no one hand polishes the edge Mm -hmm. to their knives and then my father also like luggage we have knife luggage and edge guards that were um the first on the market Mm -hmm. that chefs were saying hey we need stuff to travel with and Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how, like, we kind of slowly, like, oh, everything was black. Yeah. Black bag, black-handled knife. And we were like, okay, let's add some color. And, mm-hmm. and color worked for us for a bit. I mean, it was something that people wanted to make it their own or match the theme of their kitchen, color theme of their kitchen. But now we're just like, and so, yeah, luggage was different colors and prints, and it, we made it, like, purses and change that up but yeah. yeah and then what was the other thing um knife but not knife blocks oh the culinary torch we have like a little culinary oh. torch really? and mm-hmm. yeah for like chiflam and before yeah. it used to be like this big like industrial type of tool and my yeah. dad was like hey like this is let's try to think of something and think outside of something so industrial into something that's more um home chef so there's been like little ideas that we've brought to the table i think our big win 
started, what was it? The serrated peeler. We were the first mm-hmm. to come out with a serrated peeler. Oh, I love my serrated peeler. Oh, you have, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I just, you know, it's the first one we've ever had that was serrated. We got it recently and it's like, oh, this, what have we been doing all yeah. this time without it? Yeah. And we had it on the Oprah show mm-hmm. and that was like, we went from selling like a couple hundred to like thousands of peelers Amazing. and we're like, oh, wow, this is exciting. But I think that we were kind of like that gadgety. We would always laugh. Oh, we're like the knife company that doesn't sell knives. <laughs> 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 like it was just we had so many different things um, that yeah. complemented the our knife assortment. Yeah. But now we've kind of really focused on cutlery, mm-hmm. and that has been our our main focus. What does Messermeister mean? Oh, knife master in oh, German. Oh gosh, I'm, that, that's sad that I don't <laughs> no, even know that. No. I just have no German <laughs> background at all. No, and it's um, it's big name. Like my dad made it up. Mm-hmm. He thought that that would be a nice German name for a knife company, but it's horrible to spell every time you have to mm-hmm. tell every somebody. <laughs> give someone your email you're like it's really long just oh, bear gosh, with me yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, or this is chelsea at messermeister and they're like how do you spell that and you're like oh here we go lots okay of lots, of lots of e's uh, so that's well, pretty funny so um in your own kitchens do you just have knives all over the place yeah, kind of like that. I know. I'm looking at those blocks. <laughs> Is it like that at home? Really? That's Kirsten's kitchen. That's, that's me because I kind of like testing everything out. Yeah. Like, oh, what does this? What does this do? What does this feel like? I also use different chefs' knives for different things. Mm. So, like our Kawashima line is amazing. It's made out of SG two powder steel, and it. But I use that for more like delicate thin mm-hmm. cuts. And then my German knives, I use more on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really just depends what I'm what I'm doing. I also use the Adventure Chef because I want to make sure you know I want to use that all the time. Test our product. Yeah, right. test our product. We we just made a sample of this new knife line that we're going to come out with. We have that, and now that's my favorite. So mm-hmm. it's kind of fun. Just like I don't have one like knife line at my house. I have. A little bit of everything. Yeah. yeah. So. Like, and that's like what we're looking yeah. at is like three knife blocks. Yes. Or and, no, four. Oh, Jesus. It is four, four, yeah. Yeah. Four out. Yeah. Jeez. No, I love it though. Because yeah. it's like. I Where I'm the exact polar opposite of my sister. <laughs> one. Yeah, I have uh, an indoor knife holder with like four knives. <laughs> yeah. Um, but. Same idea, same concept. Like um, the other day, Chuck was over at our house, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Oh, I like this knife." I'm like, "Great, take it," because oh. I need to, you know, clean out the space. I gave a neighbor one of our global knives because it was, um, again, just like, yeah, great knife. Love testing out the competition and knowing how they work and how they feel. But then you have to move on because if you kept every knife, it would just for me. Yeah, would end up like that. Yeah. Steady, steady <laughs> I can't flow do that. Of now, I you probably can't say too much, but global is that some of your biggest competition? Uh, Wistoff and Hankels would be, okay. or is willing, would be considered our biggest competition in the German knife mm-hmm. uh, area, and then Shen's a big player. Mm-hmm. Global's a big player. Mm-hmm. But now there's the problem is now that there's so many different players. Yeah. Like now we're seeing 
Dahlstrom and Maiden and these really kind of niche knife companies coming out. They're not even well. Maiden but they're, is not a knife company, but well, they have knives. But they have knives. Yeah. You know, like we just saw Benchmade is coming out with a kitchen knife, and they're typically a uh, pocket knife company. Mm-hmm. So it's always there's always somebody biting at our heels trying to take mm-hmm. a piece of the market share. Yeah. Um, now we see more of an influx of like Chinese product. Yeah. Like, yeah, especially um, on Instagram, there's this one knife that it's been like quote unquote popular this mm-hmm. year, but it's the same knife and there's like 10 people selling it and trying to come off as like, they're the factory and you're getting this big deal. And it's, a lot of the new brands that are popping up are only direct to consumer. Yeah. They yeah. don't build in, um, they don't sell the stores wholesale or anything pricing, like that. So they don't have like that margin yeah. markup. But they're yeah, but they're right. making a big markup. Like one of the companies we said, I won't name it, but mm-hmm. it's like they're trying to pass the knives off as being German made or Japanese made. Mm-hmm. They're neither. They're Chinese made, and they're selling it for 130 bucks when yeah. it was made for ten dollars. So it's just using these like people are using you know quote unquote tricks. Mm-hmm. They like trick people to try to get them to believe that it's made somewhere they where right. you know where yeah. it's reputable to be made. There's two knife. There's two cutlery capitals of the world. Mm-hmm. One of them is Solingen, Germany. The other is Seki, Japan. Mm-hmm. If you get your knives from one of those two places, it's, it has like history and um, like great artisan steel. and heritage yeah. and legacy. Yeah. And, well, and, yeah. and, and, and proprietary steel. Like yeah. these are places that actually make their steel and they, they put uh, alloys and components to. Uh, make it part that is their steel so when our knives have solingen germany if you put solingen on any other knife that was not made in solingen you you have issues yeah well you'll get sued by the city yeah Yeah. so and then Mm -hmm. same with seki japan they just have such um yeah they have proprietary yep Mm -hmm. and so you just don't you know when you're getting a knife from one of those places and then Everything else has kind of now been, quote unquote, German steel made in China, mm-hmm. and we, Oof. you know, we we do it though too. You no, know, we I have don't. to because like not everybody can afford a two hundred dollar knife. Like we have to be able to diversify our assortment so that we can be nimble and flexible to meet every every chef out there but do you you're pretty forthcoming about that you like about you're not trying to pass anything no we want to be we're i just had an email yesterday and they're like oh we're so excited because you're german made and i was like yep we are we have a lot of german product but not everything's german Mm -hmm. and the product that she was interested in was the adventure chef and we're like hey we source out great product but not all of it comes from Germany, and that happens to be from China. Just want you to know because I don't want you to be disappointed. Yeah. And but we also have amazing customer service, and we stand by our product. Mm-hmm. So um, we have a lifetime warranty on manufacturing or defects. Uh, we try to help customers. You know, if they have problems with the handle breaking or a zipper breaking on the bags, like, Mm -hmm. Hey, great. Let us get you a product that works 
and we apologize for mm -hmm. the inconvenience. So I think that it also uh, sets us aside from the other big guys because mm -hmm. um, they they're too big. They have they have too much market share to be able to really put that effort into yeah. customer service. Yeah, for sure. We've been laughing. I was just laughing because my mom during COVID has been like the phone needs to be answered every mm -hmm. time mm -hmm. we have to provide mm -hmm. quality customer <laughs> service. And I was like, I know mom, but we can only do as much as we can do right now. Like we're running really thin. And, um, so I had her call another German knife company and a really, really large one. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they said, Due to COVID, we no longer provide customer service via okay. phone. Please oh. email me. I was like, see, 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 Mom, we're doing good. Let's just keep going. One day, we may yes. not answer the phone because we just had a bad day. <laughs> totally. But we'll get back on it tomorrow. Pandemic. Like, yeah. I, this is, yeah. it's, it's really like that. When you're talking about passing things off as, you know, looking like something that it's not, that's happening so much in every Everything. industry. I mean, oh, what about the wine industry? It's like I oh, like somebody sure. was like bottling cheap wine and yeah. passing it off as like two hundred. I'm like all wow. the time, all the time. That's and I think about European style skincare where it's like super clean. It doesn't have any uh, certain. You know, Europe Pair, is really yeah. stringent on what they allow into their products and. Things can be marketed and pushed a certain way to make you believe that they are on par with what they're saying they are. But then, when you look, you know, behind the curtain just a little bit, it's it's not at all what what was described. So I think that's got to be tough in an industry like this, where it's possible to make something. You know, for the average consumer, it's possible to make something that looks the part that isn't really the part. Mm -hmm. I don't know all the things to ask for in a knife. You know. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, there's and there's different also regulations worldwide. Like the United States is very strict about customs and what comes into our country, mm -hmm. how it's marked, where it's marked. And in Europe, for example, those restrictions are not the same. Yeah. So in Europe, you can have products sent to Europe that's from China that isn't marked yeah. made in China. So it just... It's so complicated because, like, the bigger companies can take advantage of that kind of, and, yeah, we're just, like, we've given, I think we've come to the realization that, hey, we are who we are, we're honest to ourselves and, and to our uh, customers, mm -hmm. and we're not here to compete with the big guys. Yeah. We just want to make quality product that we're passionate about mm -hmm. and hey if we sell some we sell some yeah. and if we can pay the bills we can pay the bills <laughs> cool My, yeah so i think that if we can keep that spirit intact we're not there to be like yes we're going to conquer the world mm -hmm. with messermeister knives mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah it seems like you're in a comfortable position it seems like you know what you sell what you make Mm -hmm. yeah. who you make it for. And that's awesome. But that's been a journey, mm -hmm. too. Yeah. 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 Well, your business has been through a lot. I mean, it's it's had all these different eras, mm -hmm. you know, different, different um, eras. cycling through. And different struggles, like California Prop 65 was, mm -hmm. you know, that was hard for a California-based company mm -hmm. and the regulations that we have to adhere to and make sure 
that wherever around the world, I mean, in the beginning when that first went into effect, that really threw us for a loop. Mm. Uh, Kirsten had breast cancer mm. the year out. I feel like every year there's one thing after another. <laughs> like yeah. It's like, oh, we made it through yeah. this. And then it's like, oh, Kirsten has cancer. Or, oh, Mom got cancer. Yeah. Then you got cancer. Yeah. I'm like, oh what is going no. on? And then my mom says, this is going to be the year. And I was like, mom, you got to stop saying that. Is that for 2020? Yeah. And then COVID (laughs) happened. I was like, see, stop saying that. This is not our year. Just let's just make it. Yeah. Let's Let's just, just stop calling it. Yeah. The year this year, nothing bad will happen. Can I ask you how how old were you when you were diagnosed? Uh, 37. Wow. Did that come out of nowhere or is it something? Yeah. Yeah. Totally came out of nowhere. My grandma had cancer or breast cancer when she was in her forties. So I feel like it just happens sooner now. So Mm. there's something genetic that they can't test my genes for because they're always discovering new genes. So I think it's like hereditary, but there's no linkage to it. Mm. But, um, yeah, I'm I'm good now though. Yeah, I got off you know quote unquote easy compared to some people. I didn't have to go through chemo. Oh, okay. Yeah. So and she had amazing doctors in LA mm-hmm. and access to amazing doctors yeah. in LA, which yeah, thankfully is not too far from here. Yeah, but yeah, I yeah. mean it's just yeah. Gosh, it's that's one- a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. Oh, it's, you know, but we're doing good. So yes. Well, and it all, seems that way too. Yeah. And we got some exciting new things happening. Yeah, Not I was going to ask what's next. What's <laughs> next? Um, my sister has been dreaming of a showroom slash professional kitchen. Yes. And um, we're finally in the mix of making that happen. Downstairs, we have taken out our warehouse space and we're transforming it into a showroom slash kitchen uh professional kitchen where we can teach classes we can um host maybe zoom cooking classes or in-person cooking classes knife skill classes knife skill classes Mm -hmm. um we have a bitchin laser that engraves knives so we want to incorporate um people coming in and personalizing their knives um, being able to change out handles because we have the custom line that is integratable to different rivets and hardware, mm-hmm. hardware and handles. Sorry, and so we're just we're kind of seeing where that takes us next. Like, because you have this whole building, mm-hmm. we have this whole building. Very cool. And we have we had where the warehouse downstairs, which is about three thousand square feet, but we most of our shipping was through three PL in LA, mm-hmm. so. We didn't really need downstairs, so we were like, let's try to figure out what to do with the space. And um, we were always looking for kitchens when we did video shoots, so... Oh, yeah, because every time we have to do a video shoot, we have to either borrow a friend's kitchen, clean my mother's kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) Now you're going to have a new kitchen to clean. We're going to have launch parties to kind of incorporate our ambassadors if they can do cooking classes. Um... We're super lucky Viking offered to give us all their all their appliances. So we'll have a wow. whole kitchen of Viking, which we're excited about and partnering with them. Yeah. So, so and that was yeah, that was so fortunate through our PR company to yeah. be able to get that set up. So Yeah. Um yeah, so I think that we'll see what happens next with that. I think Ohio is like I said, just it's such a 
vibrant community yeah. here that we should take advantage of that yeah. and we have the audience to really get you know well and get there's not a excited. lot to do and well, there's, yeah, not, there's a not a lot to do here so it's mm. kind of giving people something to do too people yeah. want you know? to be here yeah 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 so it's not a bad place to attract customers and yeah you know they're just fans you know and it's all about you know giving um what our company culture is about and mm -hmm. it's really about entertaining other people you yeah. know it's all about food who doesn't like food it's like anyone if you get a whole diverse group of people to sit down to dinner they'll have a great time like food brings people together mm -hmm. and that's what the company's about is you know bringing people together and yeah. sharing food because who doesn't like that Totally. And drinking. Yeah, and drinking. <laughs> Which we're doing right now. Yes. Thank you, Chelsea, for, yeah. for bringing Sorry. Them. No, no, don't. Don't apologize. I'm like, oh, hey. No, 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 no. Let's get consumed. Let's have a drink. <laughs> <laughs> well, so along those lines, um, I always ask everybody, if you got this chair, I'm like, I'm like leaning back and I'm like, I know, and that's the broken so one good. because if you lean too far back, you'll. Oh, <laughs> stop. I love it. I just feel rude. No, I'm like know, lounging right? here. Um, if you were going to, if you knew it was your last day on earth and you wanted to celebrate your life, how would you, what would you eat and drink and who would you be with? Oh, geez. Oh. Family for sure. Who mm -hmm. you'd want to be with. <laughs> eat. That would be so hard. There's so many. We spend so much yeah, no, time together. <laughs> um, but as far as eating, that'd be hard because I'd want to have like sushi. You can have all of it. Maybe some Indian food and mm -hmm. maybe some... Like Thai food and some a good steak. I think I would go to like my favorite restaurant, not knowing what that would be quite yet. Hmm. Because that's one thing. Like when we when we were traveling and going to trade shows, mm -hmm. we would take advantage of the cuisine or the newest restaurants and the hot chefs mm -hmm. and like just eat our heart out. Yeah, we go to Chicago every year in March for a trade show. We never go to this... Well, we go to one restaurant because I really like it, but we always try to like go to new restaurants mm -hmm. and experience... And I don't think we've ever had a bad meal, so... Yeah. What's a standout easy. meal for you on one of those trips in a restaurant that... I mean, it could be U.S., uh, it could be abroad, whatever. That is tough. I mean... Yeah. I mean, we just did the Dominique Crin... Um, dinner at, at oh, farmhouse at farmhouse and that just makes. like the detail and the wine pairing i mean and it the was flavors just flavors of the food the were flavors insane. were just insane like i mean that was extremely special mm -hmm. to have that opportunity yeah. and nancy silverton i was lucky enough to do the night oh, yeah, before the that night. and her food is amazing but completely different completely different yes. completely different so it's like yeah the styles and just being being able to appreciate each one for what they're yeah. they who they are as a chef and what they have to present but yeah they that's a real that's the toughest question yeah it's so fun though that you are in that industry it makes sense that you're going and doing those things but you're in a different you're not a chef you know you're no. you get to be part of it yeah and I, I always say that's the funniest thing about being in the knife business you're not really connected to the chefs yeah because you're busy making knives mm-hmm and then the chefs aren't really, you know, connected to the knife makers in a, in a way. A little bit they are, a little bit they're not. But they're connected to their knives. Yes, yes, oh my gosh. yes, exactly. Mm. So um, we're trying to, like, bridge the gap there a little bit for mm -hmm. sure. Um, and it's been fun. Yeah. It's been really fun. Yeah. You know, my um, 
my knife, I've told my kids before, when, when I die, this is one of the things I'm going to pass on to you. Because <laughs> just a good, like, eight-inch chef's knife is, it's the only one I use. I yeah. mean, I, I just, I keep it very simple, so they'll have to fight over that, the two yeah. of them. That, that's why I have four knives. I have my chef's knife, my nakiri, uh, a santoku, and a bread. That would probably bread. be bread and carving. But, no, yeah, Santoku, Chef, Nikiri. Yeah, we have, and we have, like, old, it was, like, a Nikiri from my father that I got from him, or that was, maybe mm. I took out of his drawer at some point. And then I have an old carbon, Wustoff carving knife mm -hmm. that has a wood handle that a customer gave me that's kind of unique and yeah, special. special just because they don't make knives out of carbon like that any longer so it oxidizes mm -hmm. and it rusts but it just is extremely sharp yeah so oh, cool. i like the, kind of like the old-fashioned knives i guess yeah yeah the, well you have a lot of knives to pass down so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well she does <laughs> like there's four blocks over yeah. there um yeah, yeah i don't know and like it would be interesting i mean growing up we were always part of the business like so it was slightly child care mm -hmm. um in the warehouse um and now we see our kids and they're you know they were part of child care in our warehouse too they ride their bikes and you know run around and i don't know I, we'll see if they carry on the family tradition two boys and a girl so <laughs> thus far, <laughs> thus far. Yeah. well thank you for letting me come over and yeah. talk about this is such a fascinating topic yeah Yay. thank you that wraps up another episode of consumed if you like what you heard and you think more people should hear it too, please review the podcast wherever you like to listen. Because remember that thing I said about being in the top 40 food and wine podcasts in the U.S.? Yeah, truly, thank you for listening. To learn more about Consumed, to see photos of my guests, and get links to their many projects and businesses, please visit letsgetconsumed.com. As always, special thanks to Chris Lambert, who edits this podcast, even though he's already outrageously busy with lots of other stuff. And thank you to everyone who lets me into their life for an hour each episode. Until next time, I'm Jamie Lewis.